You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Run It Back. Welcome back to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and joined with me today is none other than John the Shake Grove joining us on the Kansas City Sports Network. John, thank you so much for being the godsend child that you are and joining me very last minute on this show. I was just like, you know what? I need somebody. I just need somebody to help me out here today because I know there's just a lot of things that we want to talk about, not only with some volleyball going on, but also women's basketball, Big 12 Media Day was this like I can't just share my thoughts alone you know what I mean and I need John because he, he's been on my show you were on my show every week last year and oh, you know how much how much game I spit when it comes to K-State women's basketball right so I'm like I need someone who knows that can match my energy you feel me but before we get into that John we gotta start with K-State volleyball went to Norman Oklahoma I expected them to sweep them, to be honest. In the, in the two-game series that they had, I expected for them, you know, to handle business, pack them up, and then get ready for BYU. Uh, unfortunately, first game-wise, that's not what happened. K-State ended up splitting the series 1-1. One and one. K-State was up two sets to none before OU pulled them out the reverse sweep and beating K-State off a of Loki a net violation in the fifth and final set. Which is a little, uh, but I mean, I guess what's a big part about it because K State won the first set. Coming in, they were what eight zero when the Cats won the first set. So that in itself is like, damn, damn. Okay, is something that we because OU is last in the Big Twelve right now. They did not have any Big Twelve wins coming into this game, and but also fun fact that actually OU's head coach is Coach Mansfield's brother. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a way. There's always such thing as poetic justice, right? So if anyone was going to, I guess, beat this team at the moment, would would have been his brother. Because they talked about in post game that they, like Coach Manfield and OU's head coach, they both watch each other so much. Like they don't miss a game for when, like for when their brother is coaching. So I guess in a way, that in itself can uh, be. A little bit of a disadvantage, <laughs> you know, like you know your brother's tendencies and vice versa, and then that's why this first game was was what it was. Because typically, K State obviously they win the first set, they don't lose afterwards, and it was it, it was really good too. It really dominant for the most part. You know, it's a little bit tight in the first set. K State won 25-15. in the second set, twenty five nineteen, and all of a sudden, OU found whatever momentum that they needed to find. And then in case they ended up losing last three sets, 15-25, 20-23, another close one, and then 14-16, where K-State had the had the what set point or match point. And then thought they had it, thought they had it big, thought they had it done. And then it was a net violation that John, you said you kind of disagree with because like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It, it didn't necessarily look like that, but it I, well, first when I when I saw it on the replay, I thought Sydney Bolding was, was was I thought it was just a clean block. There was no no touching no touching up a net. I thought everything was clean, but uh, the official said otherwise. But um, 
No, you, you're right, Jasmine. Be really, but I mean, momen- well, momentum completely flipped in the third set when Oklahoma. I mean, they went on a they would jumped up to a nine three lead behind five uh, five consecutive serves from one of their uh, one of their hitting leaders, and you know they just continued their fast pace throughout the entire match. And you know, I mean, we can talk about the controversial call at the end, but if you're K State, you just can't necessarily have yourself in that kind of situation you're already up by two sets and at, at one point in the February 13 to 9 as well and you know it did I mean you just you just gotta you just gotta finish up those matches you just gotta capitalize um you know it's it's a little bit disappointing with this first loss and honestly out of everybody um that was able to that is able to really test Jason Mansfield, uh, in terms of the coaching, it, it would be his brother, which I think is really cool just to see the, uh, the experience that I'm guaranteeing you that those two will remember forever. And there'll be other uh, future matches, like one the day later, uh, to talk about as well. But, um, you know, it, it was a it was a pretty disappointing loss, nonetheless. They, they, had, they played very well in the first two sets, um, but Oklahoma, they, they just began to start clicking uh, and the in the final two sets, and then they managed to come back in the fifth and pull it off. So uh, they they we just they executed pretty well until the end, and uh, it just uh, it looks as if they're just gonna they, well. I said I should have presumably said this, but adjustments were gonna have to be made, and then all of a sudden they did on Friday, uh, and which uh, which was when they were able to get the sweep, but. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you you mentioned it right off the bat, Jasmine. This was the kind of series, uh, for two game series, you would you would love to have back, um, considering that this is not a very good Oklahoma team, and that I mean, uh, with full transparency, you should have it should have been both both sweeps or like the worst case scenario, give up one set to Oklahoma. Yeah, and it's because in this in this match that K State was only hitting like what one twenty five out of it, they got out killed by six. Uh, we had 43, OU had 57, uh, we had eight aces to their nine, and then what was a really kind of eye-popping stat to me is that we got outblocked by four. There was not many games, if any, that we've been outblocked. Even like some of the losses that we had, we are a really, really good defensive blocking team. So the fact that those four blocks, even still in a close match that eventually should not have been close, but nonetheless, having being outblocked by four is still in my mind, kind of detrimental in that moment. And then they won the th- the second game, ended up being a sweep, which exactly the hell we thought was supposed to happen right in the final result. But even that game, even that game was tighter than, once again, this is his brother. Obviously, it's probably going to be a little bit harder to get this win than opposed to if OU was coached by somebody else, of course. In a way, I, I kind of I get that. I understand that. But because we won, we won this game. Let's see, twenty-five, twenty-three, tight, twenty-five, eighteen, and then the third and final set ended up clapping their behinds, twenty-five, fifteen. Because now they had to see what they're going to do yesterday. Big deal. You won two sets, but you won two sets the day before too, and ended up getting reverse swept. So what are you going to do in this third and final set to make sure you, you know, you pack their behinds up and get ready for BYU? You end up coming out dominantly and win twenty-five, fifteen. I think at one point they were up like. 9-1 in the in the start of the third set. Okay. They was they was doing exactly what we expected them to do. But it was still a pretty it was still a pretty tight match in my mind. I know 
last week in a couple weeks, I've been using the analogy of like a 300 man buying clothes at Baby Gap. That's how tight it is. Okay. Until I find a different analogy, that's the one I'm going to be using. Okay. But that's what it is in Coach Mansfield. He was actually talking about how they transitioned from their typical 6-2 to their 5-1 formation. And he's saying that was a really tough decision for them to do because they've had a lot of success playing at 6-2. But then you just have going to a 5-1 where it's going to be the Izzy Shulsheski show. And it was. She had like, what, 37 assists out of, I think, a total of 40 of like of this game. So you knew that was going to be. You're going to have five attackers, one setter. And she's going, she's going to handle the business of being at one sitter. And that's exactly what she did, right? So that's something that they moved to. I don't know, John, if it'll be a typical thing that they go for or they'll continue to do because 6-2 has worked for them so much. Despite, you know, yesterday of OU giving them some problems. But then, of course, it wasn't completely smooth sailing in the second match against OU. But it was obviously well enough getting a 3-0 sweep, right? But still using this 5-1 do you see them maybe maybe using this in future games there's like only like what eight more games left in the season do you see them kind of using that 5-1 I mean overall it would just kind of depend on what what setup the defense would have in mind uh, and and heading into this match actually heading into the season we didn't know what we were getting from Oklahoma defensively this season uh especially with um their former coach Lindsey Gray Walton um getting fired but she still had several of her players on the team that were consistently very, uh, they, they were very consistent when it came to their blocking performances. Uh, that transpired. Um, that transpired for the for the first match on um, Thursday night, especially. Um, and you know, there's going to be several matches in which it'll be a good thing to kind of switch from the six two to the five one. I mean, there may be several other matches here or there, but it, but it just might not necessarily pan out if a team's going to uh, and the opponent's going to try and snip and find out about about trying to exploit your weaknesses here and there. But um, I don't know. But that would just be my overall observations of just from what I've seen so far. Because we know, like, Izzy, she's, she, she's that one that's going to be doing. She's done a great job this entire season. And I know it's interesting because they had a, let's see, the freshman Simone, in this game, doing a whole doing a whole lot of work. See, Simone Sims, freshman. She only, I think she played her first Big 12 game, I think, what, at UCF. And then that's it. So it's kind of interesting how he's kind of implementing her more in that setter position, even though she's listed as, you know, defensive specialist of Libero, who I think is probably going to take, uh, take the reins from Mac Morris when she ends up graduating. So I guess it's just interesting to see her out there. She's done a really good job, don't get me wrong. But kind of this late into the season, getting her first Big 12 action. Just interesting, and especially when you're moving more towards that 5-1 for that game, that's going to be a lot more action for her when just her only, her, what, third at that point Big 12 game. So interesting to see Jason Manfield, like, in his mindset first, because you, you love to get as much playing time for the kiddos as much as possible, especially when they're going to be more than likely in that starting position when the seniors leave. Like, you see that with Britta Schmidt. She's getting a lot of action. She started getting it earlier on the season because Sydney Boulding, this is her last year. She's going to be graduating. So you need somebody who's going to fill that middle blocker position. And boom, it looks like Britta Schmidt is going to be that one, right? So now kind of seeing just later in the season that you're going to see that same thing with Simone Sims, even though she's right now in that setter position, kind of going back and forth with Izzy, even though obviously Izzy's still going to be, you know, setter number one. 
just seeing how that'll transition into what she's supposed to be when she becomes a libero in that defensive specialist position. But to continue on with K-State's 3-0 win in the second game against OU, there were some things that obviously changed. Catherine hitting at a 3-13 clip has had eight aces, two OUs, nothing. Okay, and it's crazy that Sydney Bolding, she had four aces, so she only had half of K-State's total aces in this game, but that's not a surprise. Sydney Bolding is that one, especially when, it's, when it comes to setting. And then, of course, you have the typical what you need to have. Leah Carter, another game with 15 kills. She had a double-double in the first game, but I think 15 kills and 22 digs, somewhere around that number. Then, of course, the Nia Clinton doing it big, 12 kills, two blocks. Sydney Bolding, seven kills, four aces, once again, highlight. One block, then Brenna Schmidt, five kills and three blocks. Now, something, John, we discussed a little bit before and in other shows that this is a this is a really good start for a first-year head coach. But the only issue is, is like they have some consistency problems now and again. Just like you'll have a, you'll have a good win against Baylor, then you drop the next game against Baylor. You have of like a really bad loss against TCU to start out and then you have a really good win against TCU later. It's 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 been like win loss win loss win win loss loss win win. It's it's a little it's a little all over the place in the consistency that we know that they have. We know they have the talent. We know that they're able to succeed in doing a lot of things and kind of matching speeds with other teams or other teams and they're forcing other teams to play at K State speed, right? It's just like they do a lot of good things. Just the problem is that consistency is where things kind of drop off a little bit because last week I was talking about the last 10 games of the season and now it's last eight when I was talking last week is that K-State has let's see what we had Oklahoma twice I imagined the last 10 games I thought we would go 10 and or six and four six and four with the sweep of OU now that kind of changes a little bit of things considering we drop one against OU but now because this is at this point in time completely and utterly this is this is to me this is the meat of of the of the conference schedule because it it gets aggressive John it gets it gets damned aggressive because you have a series against number 9 BYU and I watched them play early in the season against Cincinnati John them girls are good it's a very good volleyball program Damn. Very good program. They are tall. Like I'm looking, like I'm looking up and down their roster. I see six two, six two, six three, six three, six one, six two, six two, five eleven, five ten, and then of course their defensive specialist would be at like you no know, five six, five eight. You know the typical height of a defensive specialist. But I'm like, bro, they, they're they feel like their average height is literally like six one on that team. And I was just watching them play, watching them whoop Cincinnati's behind. I'm like. Hey, hey, just I don't, I don't know. The preparation for that is going to be extreme. Uh, and I have, I have faith that K State will find a way. But if they don't, if they don't, I'm not going to be surprised because this is a, this is a tall, tall ask, John. It's a tall ask. It's going to be a tall task. And really, one of the positives you can probably make out of this is that it's going to be at the Morgan Bolle- uh, Morgan Family Arena yeah. and not in Provo, Utah, because BYU has one of the nation's most toughest uh, home court atmospheres. Like, you could put them up with Nebraska and Hawaii and probably several other 
schools. I mean, Texas as well with their gym as well. You got to throw BYU up there um, as well. But uh, it, it's you, it's it's a play to Morgan Family Arena. But nonetheless, it's a it's a BYU team that's been historically good. They've shown a lot of success in the West Coast Conference years prior. Um, but really, besides the match against Houston, they they've handled a lot of their opponents on their home court so far. Uh, and and overall, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how K-State's able to overcome. Uh, a, I mean, all, I mean, really, Jason Mansfield uh, mentioned it uh, after the, uh, the second OU match. The theme of the day is to be resilient, and they're going to have to completely dig deep throughout this next slate, next few slate of games because you got BYU twice. It doesn't get any easier because you're playing in Lawrence against the Jayhawks twice. Uh, right before you're playing number six Texas and Manhattan for a midweek game, as well. So I mean, this is, I mean, you're, you're, this is like the meat on the bones, fork in the road type of type of stretch coming up. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how Jason Mansfield and the volleyball team are able to are able to react to this lineup coming, uh, are are able to respond uh, after after this uh, after splitting Oklahoma this weekend as well. I mean, you also got Houston as well. Um, kind of around that mix as well. So this is without a doubt the toughest stretch uh, for the volleyball team this season. And it's crazy because like these next eight games, six of them are against ranked opponents. Mm-hmm. Six well, of them. Obviously, you got number nine BYU, number fourteen Kansas. I think they were sixteen about a week ago. Then they moved up in the rankings, and then obviously number six Texas. Then. You get a, I, I say this air quotes, a simpler task with Texas Tech, the two-game series with Texas Tech, and then, boom, last game of the season, you go to Houston, who is ranked 22 on the year. BYU is a perfect 10-0 and 0 at home as well. So back to what I was saying earlier, it's yeah. a good thing that they were playing where uh, in, in Provo as well because that could have smelled doom right out of a gecko as well. Uh, benefits where you can mm-hmm. absolutely because like honestly because it's BYU because one it's an it's a new big 12 school two they're really damn good I I expect Morgan Family Arena to be absolutely jumping absolutely popping does not matter what the end result is going to be because you better hope that this these next let's say what five game stretch before you get into Texas Tech and then Houston at 22 Look, they've had some success against rate opponents after Nebraska. As talked about last week, how like what's like how beneficial was it to play Nebraska this early? Because now this is the best team that they played since Nebraska that's going to be on their home court. They've had the benefit of being able to play Nebraska and BYU on their home court, right? So that I mean, you're also getting Texas as well. I mean, those are. Three very, very difficult opponents, and you're all getting them on, on the home court. You're getting BYU twice as well. Exactly. So having that early season experience of playing Nebraska, who I think it is actually they were ranked number four when they got here. I think they're what ranked second now. And I think they just beat Wisconsin, who was number one ranked team, if I'm not mistaken, right? So once again, obviously Nebraska pretty damn good. Okay, but that benefit of playing Nebraska. I understand it was a 3-0 game sweep. It wasn't the it wasn't the ass whooping that 
I like I think many would think it was when you really look at the box score. It's like honestly, if the couple points fell here and there, I'm not saying we would have won the game. I'm not saying that at all. But maybe we could have won a set. You know what I mean? It wouldn't. It would have been a little bit different. That we in a in more ways than not. I think we were we were right there with them as far as that game went. As far as once again, if you look totally at the box score, back this up. But if you watch the game, it's a little bit different than what than what it looks like, right? And so, and they of course had the success against Baylor. They've had the success against um, of Iowa State, right? They've played and had successful games against ranked opponents. Obviously, these are the highest ranked opponents that they will play. So I think hopefully that confidence is going to be there. But this would be a great, great time to find that consistency that has been an issue for them so far this season. We don't know. We're going to keep hope alive. Uh, I predicted them getting at least, you know, winning six out of the four. Uh, they want to go ahead and surprise me and get a, a nice sweep against 14th in Kansas. That'd be great to put me right back on track. You know, so we just got to see, John. It's going to be, I'm going to be glued to the TV when this goes. Good or bad, my my eyes will be glued to that TV set because I want to know. Maybe we won't win against BYU or Texas or 14th ranked Kansas, but I want to see, yo, this first year head coach, I want to see what, what the what these girls are made of. And you know they, you know what they got in them. You like know they got in, they know that they have it in them too. Sometimes just talent, just talent outweighs it when you're playing these type of teams, right? But I want to see what else they got in them them to be able to build on for for po- for postseason because the thing they're gonna have honestly if depending who they play first in the in the big 12 tournament i think they'll like they'll have a chance as far as going to the ncaa tournament don't know <laughs> there has to be a lot that goes into that but unsure but still seeing what they do here would be beneficial i'll give you a little bit of a, of a tidbit the big 12 doesn't have a volleyball tournament and neither do the Epic power five conferences it's, it's it's pretty much the mid-majors on on down as well k-state's rpi they were number 80 they're currently number 86 right now in the rpi which is how they determine based on the strength of schedule on who makes it into the ncaa tournament it's a it's like i said i mean like you like we mentioned already it's it's a it's a big it's a tall task coming up with these next three ma- uh, next three series or matches with BYU Kansas and Texas but you're number 86 right now in the RPI if you're able to get oh two maybe two to three wins out of there but who knows K-State might be looking at maybe kind of nearing towards the bubble of the NCAA tournament right now but they're gonna have to do some work they're gonna have to do some more gonna have to do some major work well and of course some things y'all need to work on is hitting up home field apparel Get y'all some new gear. Get you some new hoodies. Get you a hat because it's getting chilly out here. And Home Field Apparel is going to set you up. So please hit up homefieldapparel.com and make it do what it do. We will be right back with Running Back on the Kansas City Sports Network. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Run It Back. I am your host, Jasmine Halliburton, and joined with me is none other than John The Shake Grove here on the Kansas City Sports Network. So if you missed the first time we talked about K-State Volleyball, we talked about their chances of possibly going to the NCAA tournament, what needs to be done in this very aggressive end of their schedule with going up against BYU, number nine in the country twice, then number 14 Kansas twice, then number six Texas once, quote-unquote break against Texas Tech and then ending the season at number 22 Houston. So we all going to keep hope alive when it comes to that stretch of their schedule. But now... John, we move on to K State women's basketball, and man, I'm excited because this oh baby, because this, this is where I thrive. You know, I'm playing like you knowing and playing basketball pretty much all my life. This is this, this, is, this is this is right up your alley. This is your type of team. This is right up my damn alley because this is this is where we at. Okay, because we talked a little bit. What is he a couple weeks ago about K State women's basketball, John? We talked about it a lot towards the end of their season last year on my radio show, Run It Back. Because you see, what we got, we got the we got the Glenn Twins, okay? We got Serena Sundell, we got Gabby Gregory. We have so many, we have Yoki. The most important name of all, Ayoka Lee, is the coming upper, back. The upper echelon of women's basketball. Up there. Up there. Like Princess 61, okay? She is coming back. And honestly, in my mind, she's probably coming back better than ever. Because he earlier on in the season, she before, like after she got a surgery, it was a season-ending surgery in the offseason before this past season, right? And she's saying that after her surgery, her knee has never felt better. So once again, I'm thinking, so you put up a 61-piece wing dinner on one leg against a ranked Oklahoma team. So in my mind, I'm like, girl, what is stopping you from dominating these fools? And then, and the answer is absolutely nothing. Because I get it, K-State season, it wasn't a great one last year by by any means. I want to say they, what, finished maybe, what, eighth in conference play? Not, not ninth. It wasn't a great finish for them, okay? Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a great finish for them because obviously, like, they, did, they didn't have Yoki. didn't have Yoki. They were able to get Gabby Gregory, even though despite leading the league, in, in like in scoring, okay, because she Gabby was that one. Talk about coming out party for her, right? But for this team to be, I get it. Offensively, a lot of a lot of things did not show up for them. That's why they ended up finishing bottom of the Big Twelve. But to know who y'all have and who y'all upperclassmen is going to be, that's where things start to get a little bit different and a little bit interesting. Because for this upcoming season, K State women's basketball, they are projected fourth. In the Big 12 standings, they have with Texas at one, uh, Baylor at two, Kansas at three, and then us at four. 
I get Texas because they were regular season um, Big 12 champs. Baylor, meh. Baylor, big. They had a lot of injuries last season for the transfers. So, but of course, that name being Baylor, just like Texas is for football, Baylor is for women's basketball. That's why they're up there. And of course, KU, they won their uh, WNIT championship. So that's why they're up there. And as they should be, as they should be. And then, of course, you have K-State at number four. So where do I even get, John? Because <laughs> Coach Mitty, at their Big 12 media day, which was just this past week, he said he thinks this could be the best team he has ever coached in Manhattan. I, I, I second that statement. Mm-hmm. I, I, I second that. Look. Uh, you, I mean, looking back at last year, you didn't have Aoka Lee holding down the middle. They got a first, and because of that, they needed some more efficient shooting from their offense. And they got that from a first-team All-American and an Oklahoma transfer, Gabby Gregory. She, and and not just from her, but we saw a lot of growth from several sophomore starters as well. And Serena Sundell, you got the, 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 the Glenn twins as well on the perimeter. Now you got Aoka Lee back for the, um, and you also got Gabby Gregory for uh, what is it, super senior extra COVID season? What we're calling yeah. it. And um, you know, you, you got you got those two dynamic players back. While you also have uh, Serena Sandell and the Glenn twins, they're bringing valuable experience as a juniors and valuable experience as leaders as well. And you're also throwing in a couple more players who sat out last year with several injuries. I, I concur with Jeff Minnie. I mean, I think this is the most. This is it is without a doubt the most deep, the most deepest. I don't know if deepest is a word. His deepest, I should say. That's that's a better way of saying it. His deepest and most talented uh, team yet. And it's because it's crazy to me because Jeff Minnie. He was the more he talked about. He's like, why he thinks this is probably the best team he's coached in Manhattan is because like the work ethic right now. He said not saying that. Other teams in the past and other players in the past did not have good work ethic. It's just right now the girlies are living in the gym right now, now like because like because they know they know what they got. They know the roster that they have. They know the transfer that they were able to get two from Louisville with one being Zaina Walker. What I want to say was a four star coming out of high school before she committed to um, Louisville and coming out of Wichita, Kansas. So she decided to come on back home, right? And so they're they're living in the gym. They know like that even like the bench. I know the bench in past years has been an issue when your starters are doing what they need to do, especially when having Yoki being as dominant as she was. There wasn't really anyone else around her that really can produce offensively. So now they've deepened the bench and also having Eliza Moppin. I didn't mention her before, but Eliza Moppin was probably one of my favorite players from last year's team. She come in for her uh sophomore season. But the thing is with this team, knowing what they got, because yo. They know the expectations. They know what they have. And they understand that the pressures are high right now. But they're talking about, like, yo, this pressure is a privilege to have. Because, I mean, it's, this has been a tough conference for women's basketball. You've had, obviously, Texas yeah. dominating. You've had Baylor just absolutely dominating because Baylor, Baylor was that team. And, of course, uh, her name escapes me. The head coach who was at Baylor and who's now at LSU and just won a natty with them. I don't know why her name escapes me, but she was been packing this conference up for the long time that she was here. Kim Mulkey, yes, Kim Mulkey yeah. is who it is, and she's she was she was packing this conference up, okay, with Baylor. They they were always that one to beat, of course, and she moved her talents over to Baton Rouge, right? 
And of course, Iowa State was really good for them. Oklahoma really good. But Oklahoma and Iowa State, they've lost a lot of players. So that's why they're not necessarily in this conversation for the top of the Big 12 and them kind of repeating for that Iowa State won the con- won the tournament, Big 12 tournament. So they were tournament champions. But knowing the experience that K-State now has with Gabby Gregory, with Ayoka Lee coming back, with Jalen and Briley Glenn the Glenn twins, okay, and Serena Sundell being a cyst queen that she is, okay? Cause John, I wanna I wanna spit something out for you. I wanna like I wanna spit something out for you because on me. I think like the I think people are forgetting just how important Aoka Lee is to this team and, and her what her addition is gonna be because recency bias. Considering she didn't play last year, people may forget how damn good she was. But okay, let's let me let me let me spit some things out for you. Some things that K-State was not the best at last season and something that they will improve on this upcoming season. They were 6th in assists, 7th in total offense and total defense. These are all rankings in the Big 12. 8th in field goal percentage out of 10 teams. They were 6th in opponent field goal percentage, ninth in 3-point percentage, 7th in rebounds, 8th in opponent rebounds, last in offensive rebounds, and then 6th in assists to turnover ratio. So bottom half in a lot of these certain categories that I just li- listed off, right? That was last year. Let me list off the things that will greatly improve when Aoka Lee is back starting with this team. Six in assists. Seven in total offensive defense will go up. Their total field goal percentage will go up. Their, off- their opponent's field goal percentage, they- that will go down. So that one so they will up in the rankings with. That will improve the three-point percentage of the rest of the team. That will improve their rebounding percentage. It will improve their uh, their opponent's rebound percentage as far as that moving up into the rankings. So it'll be lower. Then, of course, they will move up from last into a higher up in offensive rebounds. And then moving up with the assist to turnover ratio. She is going to improve every single thing that the KC women's basketball team was not the greatest at last year. And it's going to improve because of one individual. Okay, because the season before Aoka Lee went out, she was second in scoring behind a player who's graduated and is not here anymore. And even then, she was only second in scoring because that player had three more games. All right? She was in the same thing go. She was second in the Big 12 in rebound. The player before, once again, not here anymore and had three more games. And it was already closed. She was first in field goal percentage in the Big 12 and second in locked shots. Once again, the person who was a blubber is not here anymore. All of those things that I listed that Yoke Lee is the best in the conference for, and some things that K-State was worse than the conference for, all of that will be improved just because of her mere presence. I don't I don't think people were understanding that, John. I know they'll see it when they see her suited up on the floor opening night, but I'm telling you, the amount of offensive rebounds we're gonna get when we have our six foot six queen back dominating the paint, that will be up. Okay. When you have need assist more, you have her. You're going to throw her the ball and once again, the highest field goal percentage in the conference. Obviously, that's going up the assist as well. And once again, you were let ninth in at three point percentage. I remember the season before she got hurt, they were they were triple teaming her. And they were leaving Serena Sundell. Riley and Jalen Glenn, they were leaving them wide open at the three-point line, but the defenders knew they wasn't going to shoot, okay? But that last year's shade, that, yeah, it's still ninth and three-point service. That means they were shooting. Beforehand, they weren't shooting jack diddly squat, John. They weren't shooting squat. 
But now, if they want to try the triple team, Aoka Lee in the paint, what they going to do? They going to cut them behind uh, behind three-point line. That's the thing that I'm thinking. Like, See, that's why, John, that the expectations for this team is so high because these aren't, like, you know, the Glenn Twins, Serena Sundell, they're not freshmen anymore that's going to be scared to shoot. They're, they're not going to be scared to shoot anymore, okay? Everything literally improves with her presence. And I, I know I'm talking a lot about this. I know I'm talking a lot about this, but I don't I don't think y'all fully understand it. I don't think y'all fully understand. That's that's what I'm saying. John, you got anything to add on this? Well, I, I mean, honestly, you, you I, and this is this is nothing against Patin or Aoka Lee from last season as well, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise for several players on the team with Aoka Lee being out because two years ago we weren't talking about anybody else playing as a as an offensive factor or or just putting up the constant numbers we've been seeing compared to Ayoka Lee. She was out last year. Then we saw the likes of Gabby Gregory, Serena Sundell, the Glenn Twins. They were starting to put up some numbers since since the team definitely I mean, they need about they need any sort of offensive production with those guys as well. And I now you got Aoka Lee back, and this kind of alludes to one of my questions that I have for this year. How is Aoka Lee and Gabby Gregory, how are they going to match? Because, you know, K-State, they've been more of a perimeter-oriented team with Aoka Lee, with, uh, with Aoka Lee, I should say. And the question is whether her presence in the middle will affect Gabby Gregory as a scorer, or if the dual threat creates more of a scoring opportunity for both, and not just that, but for several other K-State players as well. Can they find a way to make each other better? Can they, and can point guard Serena Sundell, can she help out as, uh, uh, can she help out as a facilitator as well? Uh, she was also a preseason Big 12 honorable mention pick, uh, average uh, nearly 14 points and nearly uh, five, uh, five and a half assists uh, last year as well. And I, and, and really, when it comes to well, the overall depth of the team, because uh, Jeff Minnie alluded to it, it's going to be the most deepest, talented team that he's coached so far. How I, how many minutes are each player going to have? Like, how many how many enough? I mean, are there going to be enough minutes to spread around as well? Because depth is not the issue for this team compared to what we've seen in years past. Yes. Because Yoko Lee was one of the free Wildcats who was back after missing last season. That add on to that, you got Arizona sophomore transfer, uh, Jocela Sanchez. She's back and she spent some time over the summer with the uh, Spanish under 20 national team as well. Uh, then there's Louisville transfer, Zianna Walker, guard from Wichita. I mean, you got Amani Lester, six foot four forward. Both are richer freshmen, they're incoming freshmen as well. Uh, along, well, actually, but yeah, richer freshman. I mean, you got incoming freshman Alexis Hess and Terrence Sides. They should also be competing for some for a little bit of playing time as well. Honestly, this is such a good problem to have because, like, let's get like this was beforehand. You, we talked about the struggles that this team has had, like as far as coming from their bench. Like, I mean, that's part of the reason why you have so much experience with Serena Sundell, with Jalen and Bradley Glenn because they had. They have played a lot of minutes their freshman year because there was nothing, there was no one from that base that was going to, I guess, relieve them of that. You know what I mean? That's where they were thrown in the fire as much as they were. And so now that you have them, they're juniors now. They've played a whole lot. 
of the Big 12 basketball. Okay, so that's why I think this is a great problem to have. And now you don't have to rely on them literally as heavily because even having Gabby Gregory last year, that is that even helped them because she's like one of the older ones on the team. She's also played a lot of basketball herself, but you know she's been hindered by some injuries. But clearly when she's 100% healthy, this is what she does, right? And as far as like your, your question about like how well will, you know, Gabby and Yoki play together considering, but I mean, Gabby said like, the reason that she came to K State was to play with was to play with Ayoka Lee, like that was like that was why she that was why she came here. And Coach Me was saying like you know Gabby didn't come back this year for her like for her super for her super senior year. It wasn't just to become the leading scorer in the Big Twelve again. It was because they was trying to do something special, and they know what they got with Ayoka Lee coming back. And same thing with with Yoki. She's not coming back to play to score 62 points and break her own record. She's coming back because they know as a team, they know who they got. They know what they're going to be able to do, and they know that they're going to be some problems coming in. And then this just fix their entire issue, what they had offensively, because a lot of the things that I listed, they were offensive, you know, related. And I think because Gabby Gregory, she was, she was the case. She was our like best three point shooter, John. Yep. Like, like she was like she was our best three-point shooter and once again if y'all gonna try to test our shooters like y'all thought y'all was gonna do two years ago when they were freshmen and they were too scared to shoot y'all better switch some things up homie because i don't think that's gonna fly no more it's not gonna fly no more because they have the confidence knowing that they're gonna be able to shoot i get it they were ninth in the big 12 last year for shooting percentage but bro the attempts they were they were at least they were shooting you're like you're you're they you're gonna go nowhere if you're not gonna shoot right like you, you shoot, you open, you shoot, and that's exactly what they did. And I think having Yoki gonna be back in that paint, that's gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna up the ante a little bit. You feel me? But defensively, I know K State defensively was damn good. Okay, like I'm gonna list some some more stats from last season. They were fourth in in an uh, opponent three point percentage. You you were not getting open looks against this team defensively. They was gonna kill you in their in their two three zone. That's what they they was going they was gonna kill you in it. They were second in free throws. This was a really good free throw shoot team. Really, really good free throw shoot. Really you good. at the line, you you're basically giving them every chance to win this game, right? And then of course they were third in turnover margin. They forced a lot of turnovers from other teams. They were fourth in block shots because we had such we pretty much had we started like we started three guards. <laughs> Less than like three to four like four guards, essentially. We started four guards. Three of them incredibly tall with the Glenn twins and then Serena Sundell. Serena Sundell, she's like a six, she's six foot one guard. Okay. Yeah. She's she's actually only leading, she's leading this team in blocks, essentially, right? This is like the length was the problem. Defensively, this team was a problem. And of course, they were second in steals. And John, you were with me on my show when I was having the like the rants of rants when it cut when it came to Jalen Glenn who led the Big 12 in steals, but yet she was not on the all-defensive team. You saw the amount of hell I was raising on on air about why in the hell do you not have the league's leading stealer on all defense? And she and she had more, she had, I don't what was the number? It was a ridiculous number. She had double-digit more steals than the person in second place and that person in second place would made all defense mm-hmm. so i just want to know what the hell was y'all thinking of taking her off that list when she was the leader in the big 12 at stills and it was not even close damn it it wasn't close all right so 
It just gives an additional chip on the shoulder. As it should. She better be locking some moles up, okay? She gonna lock all their behinds up. She And I know she is. It's not only just like Jessica just straight up steals. She's literally 1v1. She's locking She's locking people up. She's putting her hand in the passing lane. If she doesn't intercept the ball and go the other way, she's get, it's getting out of bounds. Your offensive production, it's going to be interfered with because she is guarding your best player. But, you know, but that's, that was last year. Last year, last year, I'm calmer now. I'm in a better position mentally about why, not necessarily why, I still don't understand, but I'm accepting, that's the word, I'm accepting that for some damn reason, she wasn't allowed this in, but that's okay. Because this year, honestly, I want to get her on the show as soon as I possibly can so she can speak to the masses about what that, like, about what dog mentality is going to show up for her because I know it's coming, John. I know it's coming. I had to take a deep breath because you know, just thinking about it, being at every single one of these games, so watching every single one of these games, I'm thinking, why the hell is she not on all defense team? But like I said, John, that was last year. We're moving on. We're moving forward with our lives. And this is going to be a team that's going to be so much better than I think they may have ever have been because they got some damn talent, some like some Bond stars. I'm using Space Jam reference right now. They got some Bond stars on this team, and the expectations are high. The only teams you really, really got to go through, even though I think there would be no off nights, because once again, it's still the Big 12, but Texas, Baylor, and Kansas. We'll see how much they can go through, because K, like KU didn't really have a great conference run. I think they finished, I want to say, I think they, they finished at one above us, so I want to say like either like, seventh or eighth they yeah. didn't have finishing conference play so we'll see if they that you know momentum from their w, uh, wnit championship will carry over and i think it will i think it will but knowing that all right it's gonna be texas and baylor for sure for sure and see how kansas starts out we uh we riding john you right we ride okay john, is, there, is there anything more you want to add because i know i spoke a lot in this rant about this team and of course Jalen glenn deserving to be on the all defensive team Anything more you want to add? I think it, I, I think just kind of wrapping things up a little bit with Gabby Gregory and Aoka Lee, I think it's just going to create a potent one-two punch all around. I'm really excited to see both of them on the floor. Ready to see the, the production from everyone else, uh, as well as the newcomers as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be real fun. It's going to be fun. fun. I'm excited. But I know before we before we finish our do after mine, we do have another K State soccer game that will be on Monday, and it's the Sunflower Showdown against Kansas in Lawrence. Both teams just playing for pride, unfortunately, at this point. K State and KU is finished at the bottom of the Big Twelve. Neither will be going to the Big Twelve tournament. So at this point, it's just seeing who wants to end the season on a high note but that will be tomorrow night on espn plus so when we come back we'll talk more about that game we will talk about seeing what happens when k-state plays byu and maybe a little bit more of basketball things when we come back next week on run it back we'll see y'all then thank you for listening to kc sports network we appreciate your support don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard 
you can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.